Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Welcome, my friend, to this episode, which is part three of the 45 things I learned by the time I was 45. Now, I'm not sure why I didn't just stick to 10, but 45 came to mind and there's a lot to talk about. So that's why we're on our third episode talking about this topic. So we're going to jump right in. And here is lesson 31. Less is more. Now, I know it takes a while for most people to learn this lesson because when we're younger, we actually think that more is more. We think that the more things that we have, the happier we will be. We correlate more money, more friends, more trophies, more gadgets, more possessions, more of all that stuff as equaling a more fulfilling life. But guess what I've discovered as I've gotten older? That isn't always the case. Sometimes you actually need to remove things from your life to be happier. So for me, less stress, less clutter, less chaos, less superficial friends, less scheduled activities, less obligations, less drama. It's equaled so much more, so much more happiness, so much more calm and so much more peace. Now, I know not everyone desires to live a simpler life. You might be different and love collecting stuff and having this jam-packed diary, but this is just a life lesson for me. So as I've gotten older, I've made it my priority to remove the things that I don't really need in my life, to make room for me to enjoy and appreciate the things that remain. And what I've discovered is that what remains is usually the things that I treasure the most in life. So now lesson number 32, patience is a virtue. So anyone that knows me well would have probably expected that this would turn up somewhere on this list because I am always saying this, patience is a virtue. Now, when I speak about patience, I don't just mean, you know, being patient while you're waiting in a queue. This relates more to your big goals, the big goals that you have in your life and having the calm acceptance that things might happen in a different order than the one that you have in mind or according to your own personal timeline. So Joyce Meyer actually said, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. So most goals, if you haven't worked this out just yet, most goals are not achieved overnight. You need to actually sow the seeds of that dream and wait some time before you see the first signs of that harvest. So the day that you plant the seeds is not the day that you eat the fruit. Now, I have to say that if you are a naturally impatient person, this might be tough for you, a tough life lesson to learn, but it's all about understanding that sometimes things will unfold in their own time. It's about accepting that this waiting is part of the process required to help you get to your goals. So it does require faith and trust on your part, in addition to a never give up attitude. It's like this muscle that you need to keep on practicing and exercising in order for it to get stronger. So patience doesn't mean that you just sit there idly waiting for something to happen. It means that you actively believe it will happen eventually at the right time and in the right way. And it's also all about taking inspired action because remember, what you sow, you will reap. So now for lesson number 33, pain and discomfort are temporary. Now, this might seem like an unusual one, but I think that when I was younger, I used to actively avoid pain and discomfort. So when I'm speaking about pain and discomfort here, I'm talking about things like hurt and rejection, feeling embarrassed, scared or vulnerable. 
And what I've learned over time is that even if these feelings come to me, they don't last forever. They're just transient feelings. They pass through me and it sort of slides away the moment you let them go. So if there's something that you're avoiding doing because you think it might be uncomfortable, I just want you to know that that feeling of discomfort and pain does not last forever. Think about something that you might have experienced that was really embarrassing to you as a kid. Okay, so step back in time. Now, for me, uh, the first story that comes to mind is when my mum, she used to make me wear these skivvies underneath my summer dresses, like when it was sort of like not really warm and sort of cold. And I was still at this age where she could tell me what to do. So on this occasion that I'm thinking about now, I think I was around nine years old. I was going to this friend's birthday party. I had this new dress that I was dying to wear. And just to clarify, in case you don't know what a skivvy is here in Australia, it's like this long sleeved top and it's got like this neck brace attached to it. That's what I used to always say. It's like it was tricking me. I used to kid. Anyway, I just can't tell you how much I really didn't like wearing skivvies. So I was mortified when my mum made me wear one underneath the dress that I had just bought because she thought it was cold that day. So I wanted to wear the new dress, but the price that I had to pay for it was that I had to wear this skivvy. So I think I actually have a photo of this birthday party that I was at and I looked totally miserable because it ended up being this really warm day and I was sweating because I had a skivvy on. So the point of the story to share with you, that discomfort did not last forever. I eventually came home. I took it off. I probably ripped it off as quick as I could. And I eventually got over the fact that I felt so embarrassed about my mum forcing me to wear it. So even though that memory sort of etched on my brain, I don't still walk around to this day annoyed at my mum for making me wear that skivvy because with the passage of time, I can actually sort of have a giggle about it now. It's sort of funny. And chances are you two have gotten over any feelings of discomfort that you might have experienced. You might have discovered they're just temporary feelings. They might last a few minutes or a few hours or a few days, but eventually your mind processes it and makes you realize, hey, it wasn't really as bad as what you eventually perceived it to be. Or if it was pretty bad, you got over it, you survived it, you grew stronger, and you realize that you're really as tough as nails deep down. So eventually, any feeling of pain and discomfort that you feel, that feeling will subside and something else will come to take its place. So just knowing that, that pain and discomfort are temporary, just knowing that in advance means you don't have to fear it as much because you really can survive anything that comes your way in life. You really, really can. So now let's have a conversation about life lesson number 34. Most of the things that we worry about don't happen. So I'm going to keep this lesson so short and sweet because the title of it really says it all. Most of the things that we worry about don't happen, period. It's that simple. Yet, of course, we waste so much mental energy focused on worrying about what could possibly go wrong rather than dealing with the here and now, which for the most part is where everything is fine. So right here at this very second that you're listening to me speak, right at this moment, you can deal with anything that comes your way. You always have the option to slow things down and just take things one second, one minute at a time. Because in those moments, those small moments, when you break them up, you're always okay. Everything is figureoutable. Just take a deep breath and everything will be okay. So if you actually have a real issue with worrying, I encourage you to check out my podcast episode, which was called How to Stop Worrying So Much, where I talk more in depth about how to keep worrying at bay. It's a really good one. So now let's have a conversation about lesson 35, some sacrifice is necessary in life. 
Now, sacrifice might seem like a terrible word to some, but I actually view it as a great thing if it takes you one step closer to your dreams. So nothing great was ever accomplished without making sacrifices of some sort. You will need to give up some things in order to achieve the rewards you are after. So the first step is deciding what you are willing to give up in the name of that dream. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's money if you need to invest in your education. Maybe you need to give up going out all the time so that you can stay at home and work hard at your goals. You may need to sacrifice your bad habits and your weaknesses and your comforts and everything that is holding you back. Basically, in the end, if you don't sacrifice something for what you want, what you want will become the thing that you sacrifice. Now, I have to repeat that because that is so powerful. If you don't sacrifice something for the things that you want, what you want the most will be the thing that you sacrifice. So now let's have a look at lesson number 36. You don't need alcohol to have fun. So I should preface this lesson by saying I've never been a massive drinker. I'm happy to put my hand up to be the designated driver whenever the situation calls for it. But many people have this idea that a night out without drinking can't be fun or that you need to drink in order to have a great night. And that really couldn't be further from the truth because guess where fun comes from? Fun comes from your attitude and willingness to have fun with or without alcohol. It comes from dancing to music you love. It comes from hanging out with people you love and enjoying a great laugh. It comes from leaving your stresses and worries at home and giving yourself permission to just enjoy life and the company that you're with. So in short, you don't need to alter your state of mind with alcohol in order to make these things happen. And even if everyone else is drinking around you, that doesn't mean that you need to drink too. So just think about some of the side effects that come from consuming too much alcohol. You know, there's slurred speech, there's headaches, having a hangover, high blood pressure, there's damage to your liver if you like to drink a lot. Now, this isn't to say that I judge anyone who likes to drink because I have plenty of friends who do and I myself love a drink on occasion. But it isn't with the assumption that I need to drink to have fun. This lesson is all about breaking down the connection between alcohol and fun because those two things are quite separate. So a person can drink and be miserable and you can also not drink and have the best night ever, which is great news for anyone who wants to minimize the amount of alcohol they want to drink, but thinks that it's going to impact the amount of fun that they consequently have. But really, to have fun, you just need to create fun and be fun, and you don't need alcohol to do it. So now for lesson number 37, people aren't mind readers. So I can't tell you how much grief I've seen come from this expectation that you think that people can read your mind and you think that they know exactly what you're thinking and feeling. Myself included, I'm putting my hand up. I definitely used to wish that people were mind readers back when I was younger, We seem to think that people should just intuitively know what we want or need without us actually opening our mouth to share that information with them, but that is not the way it works. Now, while it would be a really cool superpower to have, none of us actually have the ability to read each other's minds as yet. So we can make like a guesstimate that maybe this is what they're thinking based on previous encounters. But given that humans have 60,000 thoughts a day, there is a good chance that we're going to make a wrong assumption at some point. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't even know what we want ourselves. So if you want something specific, say it out loud. If you are thinking something needs to be said or done, say it out loud. No person in this world will ever be able to read your mind. So the only way they'll know what you're thinking is if you clearly and concisely share your thoughts and feelings with them. So now for lesson number 38, sometimes it's best to bite your tongue. 
So just leading on from the previous lesson, I discovered in life that sometimes it really is best to bite your tongue. So this rule doesn't apply if you feel really strongly about something that you need to speak your mind about, if it's an issue close to your heart. But this applies to all the other little things that might frustrate you throughout the day, like if your kids are being really annoying and they're going on about something that you're not particularly interested in. It's like that proverb says, whoever watches his mouth and tongue keeps himself from trouble. And I also like to add, doesn't say things that he later regrets. So we often forget that words have power. And there's this other really cool proverb that I love, and it goes like this. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. So when it comes to your words, if something isn't helping the situation, do you need to add your two cents in? If it is honest, but not nice, is it really necessary? And are your words uplifting someone or bringing him or her down? Are your words building bridges or are they tearing these bridges down? And are the words you speak the words that you imagine saying when you think about living as your best version of yourself? So in a nutshell, this is all about remembering that your words have the power to heal or destroy. So just make sure to choose them wisely. And now number 39, okay? The secret to getting things done is by taking baby steps. Now, I'm obsessed with baby steps. It's like my strategy to getting all my work done and to being super productive. And I always feel like this genius when I use this strategy to break down my bigger goals. So on the outset, big goals can often feel really overwhelming. Sometimes they're so big, they scare you from even trying. But it's like they say, how do you eat an elephant? You do it piece by piece. So I've used this baby step strategy to write over 20 books, to create more than a dozen courses, to build four blogs. I've written hundreds of articles just by taking tiny baby steps. And it's like Chris Gardner once said, baby steps count as long as you're going forward. You add them all up and one day you look back and you'll be surprised at where you might get to. And this is the part where I tell you where you will get to when you take baby steps. You will get to your goal. Even the smallest actions are always steps in the right direction when you've given thought to what you need to do. So put simply, outrageous goals plus baby steps equals a recipe for success. Now, just remember, you don't have to worry about what's five steps ahead of you just yet. Just make sure to focus instead on one step at a time. It's like when I'm writing a book. I don't worry about chapter 10 when I'm working on chapter one. I also don't stress about how I'm going to edit the book or design the cover when I'm in that writing phase. I just work on chapter one and then I work on chapter two. One step at a time, my friend. And all you need to do is keep on moving forward, even if you're like that tortoise in the hare and tortoise tail. We all remember that story, right? It was the tortoise who won the race while the hare had a sleep or two beneath the shady trees because he thought he had all the time in the world to get there. And in the end, he didn't. So if you stick to this baby step strategy consistently, you will get there in the end. And just remember this quote by Earl Nightingale who said, Never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. This time will pass anyway. So why not use the time you have today to take baby steps to get you to your goal? Now for number 40, there is always more to know. So never stop learning. So I'm sure if you're still young and listening to this piece of advice, you might freak out at the idea of having to study more as you get older. But here's the good news. You actually don't have to do anything you don't want to do in your life. If you never want to read another book after you finish school, you don't need to. If you want to keep your mind closed to new information, that's a choice you can always make. There are plenty of people in this world who've closed themselves off to learning new things, so you would not be alone. But what I've discovered by my age is that the moment you stop learning, that is when you stop growing too. 
Or as Albert Einstein once so wisely said, once you stop learning, you start dying. So learning for me keeps my mind active. It's like a sponge. My mind is so keen to soak in new information. And the truth is there's always more to learn. And if you're open to it, life is this never-ending journey of learning new things. Even Michelangelo said himself at age 87, I am still learning. And I think I can imagine it being the same way for me. It's much like when Socrates said that famous quote, all I know is I know nothing. I found that the older I get, the more I learn, the more that I too discover that I actually know less than what I previously assumed I did. Even Socrates, who was considered to be a super wise man by his peers, he understood that no matter how much knowledge one individual can obtain, it's just a tiny little fraction of the available knowledge in this world. Now, I now know that I haven't even begun to tap into all the things that I can learn in this world, but I do know that I will continue to learn and grow as long as I'm here on earth. Because knowledge is power, but it's only truly useful when you put it into practice. So when it comes to learning, it's all up to you. Learn as much as you want to learn. I have this first knowledge, so I'm going to keep on learning for the rest of my life. And it's like they say, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. And if you're determined to learn, no one can stop you. Now for lesson number 41, life is easier when you stop comparing yourself to others. So I really, really, really wish that they would teach this to kids at school. So for me, it hit home when I heard these Bon Jovi lyrics. It's from their song called I Believe, and the lyrics went like this. Don't look up on your movie screens, in record stores or magazines. Close your eyes and you will see that you are all you really need. So confession time, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I'm a massive Bon Jovi fan. And the moment I heard those words, ever since then, they've actually been etched into my brain. So for me, it taught me to stop comparing myself to others. This is the life that I'm living. I'm never going to wake up and end up in someone else's shoes. I'm never going to have different parents or be a different height or look a completely different way or have a wildly different personality. This is me. So this is who I am. And it's up to me to make the best out of the cards that I've been given. More importantly, I need to learn to love myself flaws and all. Comparison is seriously the fastest way to feel unhappy. Or as Theodore Roosevelt once said, comparison is the faith of joy. And there's another quote by Bryant McGill who noted, comparison is always the beginning of the death of self-love. So just do your best to refrain from comparing yourself to others. It's just a choice you make. You just don't compare yourself. And if you have to compare yourself to anyone, compare yourself to who you were and who you want to become and get to work on making that happen. Now, number 42, assume the best from people. So even though I've already mentioned that not everyone in this world will be as nice as you, that doesn't mean that we can't assume the best from people. I have found this works best for me because when you look for the good, you'll usually find some good. And when you look for the bad in people, you usually will find some bad. And why not just assume the best from people rather than assuming the worst? You can always just assume that people are doing their best, even if that version of best may look different from your own idea of it. So you can choose to look at people without judgment. You can give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll never be disappointed by people because chances are you will be, but just having this philosophy, especially when it comes to your family and friends, set some more optimistic tone to your interactions. So your interactions are more likely to be positive when they come from love and a desire to understand other people rather than you feeling defensive or ready to attack. I personally would prefer to assume the best of people and just be wrong about that rather than assuming the worst from people and being wrong about that instead. That's just my personal preference. It works for me. I just would prefer to assume the best from people rather than assuming the worst. Now for lesson number 43, 
Everything you want is on the other side of fear. So I could talk on and on about the importance of feeling the fear and doing it anyway. But when I heard this new quote, everything you want is on the other side of fear, my mind literally just exploded from the wisdom that it held. Now, the sad truth is most of us will never know what's on the other side of fear because we're too scared or too timid or too nervous or too anxious or too lazy to step outside our comfort zone. We let fear hold us back. We're scared of what lies on the other side, even if it's the most amazing version of ourselves. But what if it's true that everything you want is on the other side of fear? What if I encourage you to take action and keep moving despite the fear you feel inside? So fear is an emotion that keeps us stuck. It robs us of all the opportunities that lay in our future. So I myself have found that when I choose to look fear in the face and decide to take action despite that fear, the fear simply disappears. And then you discover that fear isn't actually some terrible monster that's holding you back. Only you can hold yourself back and only you can move yourself forward because fear is just a state of mind, nothing more and nothing less. As W. Clement Stone so wisely said, thinking will not overcome fear, only action will. Action will always cure fear. So I encourage you to tap into that courage you have inside. It is sitting there waiting for you to embrace every single day of your life. Now, I have to admit, it does take courage to take those steps towards fear and courage to move through the fear. But when you look back, you'll discover that nothing was really there. Courage doesn't mean that you don't get afraid. Courage means that you don't let that feeling of fear stop you. Now for lesson number 44. We aren't always right, even when we think we're right. So guys, I have to admit that this is a lesson that I often need to remind myself of regularly. Even if I'm adamant that I'm right about a particular thing, I could in fact be wrong. So here's the truth. We might think that we're right about something, but it doesn't mean other people will agree with us. So much of what we believe to be true is colored by our own experiences, our own beliefs, our own values. We can think that we are 100% right about something. We could bet our life on it. And even still, there could be someone else in this world who thinks that, nope, we're wrong and they are right. And so what are you supposed to do in these situations, you know, when we both think that we are right in our own way? So this is where I come back and I remind myself that humans have free agency, we have free will, and we are all entitled to our own opinions and our own thoughts. And it doesn't actually matter how strongly you feel about something, even if there are facts to back you up, because we can always find facts to back us up, right? You know, that's what Google's for. But someone else can find different facts to back up their own opinions and beliefs. I've actually found it useful in these situations just to be open to the fact that we could be wrong about some things. And what would that feel like to you to admit that you could be wrong? And why are we so attached to the need to feel right all the time? Could we potentially just agree to disagree in a situation instead? There's actually always the possibility that our right could be someone else's wrong. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That's all about becoming a healthy, functioning adult is understanding that we could sometimes be wrong. Or even if we believe in our heart of hearts that we're right, There's a really good chance that no amount of rationalizing or explaining or justifying your stance is going to force your truth to become their truth. So just be brave enough to accept this life lesson that, yeah, do you know what? We could sometimes be wrong and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you've made a mistake or that you've discovered some evidence that has made you see things from a different light or that there might be multiple ways of viewing the same scenario. And now for my very final lesson, number 45, we've gotten to the last one on the list and it's a good one. So here it is. 
age is just a number. Now, I don't think I really believed this when I was young and I used to hear old people say, oh, I feel so young inside. But now that I'm officially middle-aged, because I'm pretty sure most people would say 45 is middle-aged, I know that this is really true. Even if we've clocked up the birthdays, some of us still feel really young inside. So even though I do not look like a teenager anymore, I can still vividly remember those feelings I had back when I was in high school. I still sometimes remember what it feels like to be a 20-year-old, even though decades have passed since then. And I can imagine that it continues this way as I get older. Even though my body might change, my mind and soul will still continue to feel young at heart. Now, I should note here that the only times I've ever felt old is when I've temporarily stopped learning and therefore stopped growing. But age itself is just a number. I have met people who are young but seem really old and rigid in their thinking and older people who are so young at heart. So how we feel on the inside is not always reflected by the way we look on the outside. So I'm not sure if I'm actually alone in feeling this way, but I definitely feel like it's true. Even though the passage through time and getting older has given me so much wisdom that I didn't have in my early years, I definitely still possess this feeling of youth inside that I want to hold on to for the rest of my life if I can. And so there you have it. Okay, 45 lessons that I've learned in my first 45 years of life. Now, I know it was really long, and I'm sure I probably could have added plenty more life lessons to that list. This is definitely not a definitive summary of everything I've learned over the course of my years, but they were the first 45 that popped into my brain when I decided I was going to come up with this idea, and that's how the list stands. And I'm sure as I keep on learning and growing through life, I will have more to add to this list in the future. And I look forward to just becoming an older, wiser individual in the world. Age is just a number I said, and I am so grateful just to have made it to 45. So thank you for listening. As always, you know, I love and appreciate every single one of you guys, and I cannot wait to catch you in the next episode. So until then, dream big, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.